Welcome back to the Gentle Counselor podcast. My name is Crystal and I provide online resources to support the mental health and well-being of parents and children. For those of you listening to this episode right now, this episode is going to be a little bit different to what is typically on the Gentle Counselor podcast and that is because back in October we had World Mental Health Day and I had some lovely friends come together as guest speakers in a private group called the Aussie Mums Mental Health Virtual Event. So the format of the episodes are going to be a little bit different, but you're going to hear back the replay of my interview with the amazing speakers on a variety of topics. So stay tuned for these episodes because they're packed full of goodness. Hello. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Good, thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on today. Oh, my absolute pleasure. So for those of you that don't know Stacey, she is The Milk Project. If you're looking for her online on Instagram, it's the underscore milk underscore project. And she's an artist who photographs breast milk. Um, And she has the most stunning and beautiful images if you've never heard of breastfeeding art, which I never knew about, you need to definitely go and check out Stacey's page. And she's going to be talking to us today about um, healing through art. And when she said that topic title to me, I was like, yes, I love that idea. That's so beautiful. Um, I have experience in that, but it's something that I'm like, why not? Like healing through art. That's definitely like a way that... Um, something that can be therapeutic, right? Absolutely. And I studied photography um, back when I was in my early 20s and so long ago I actually learned on film, which a lot of people nowadays wouldn't even think about. But, yeah, so I studied art all those years ago and then kind of fell out with photography for a little bit and went into visual merchandising. So I still was in a creative space but wasn't really producing anything for myself and it wasn't until I became a mum that I fell back into photography again and I went through a lot mentally becoming a mum for the first time and my art became my release almost and when I'm doing my art I'm not a mum in that moment I'm an artist and it's my time to just be myself and express myself that you can't in ways you can't express yourself through motherhood as well. Yeah, and I'm sure it was a nice way for you to, um, like, hold some of that identity for yourself as well. And like you said, it's, like, sacred. We have to find ways to keep things for ourselves um, because it's so easy to fall into that trap of being self-sacrificing. Um, but then we're just burning ourselves out and running on empty, and that's really no good for anyone. Um, you can be a good mum if your cup is full. You can't do it such a great job if you're running on empty. And things like that, that really are like, so it's passion driven, right? It's something that feeds your soul. You do it, something that does something for you on a deeper level because it brings you so much enjoyment and you're expressing yourself. And I'm sure as a mom, that would have been a really useful tool as well to sort of, uh, yeah, use your art and your photography to 
move through those feelings that you were having, just like someone writing a song would do it through that way, for example. So what's, um, would you mind sharing with us what were some of the mental health struggles that um, you faced as a mum? Yep. Um, well, with my first, there's a few, actually, there's a few things I want to chat about. So the first thing was um, I was worried about the gender of my baby. And no one really talks about this, about gender disappointment, because people will perceive you're a bad mum if you don't want the gender of your baby. So I really, really wanted a girl. And so I made the decision with my husband that we would find out as soon as possible what the gender of our baby would be, because if it was a boy, I was going to need time to work through that and accept that I wasn't getting my girl. Anyway, we had a girl, so that was okay. The pregnancy, all textbook, everything was fine, no issues there. The birth was a different story and a whole cascade of medical interventions meant I ended up in an emergency and even though I didn't really have a plan as such, I never actually thought emergency C-section was how I would birth my baby and mentally I didn't cope with that and so many people dismissed it as, but you're fine and the baby's fine, so what's the big deal? So then I stopped talking about it because I felt like, well, maybe I should be grateful. I've had my baby. doesn't matter how I birthed it. We're both healthy, so I need to move on. And I guess I kind of suppressed that quite a lot. Um, so I didn't get diagnosed with postnatal depression or anxiety because I never sought help because first seriously that I was uncomfortable that I had a c-section and I never had thoughts of hurting myself or my baby so I thought I'll just move through this somehow I'll get over this it's just something I'll get over and you don't you don't get over postnatal depression or postnatal anxiety until somebody helps you so you have to be brave enough and I learned you have to be brave enough to reach out and I didn't should have and, and it's so frustrating, isn't it? Because it's like the responsibility is all on us, but we're yeah. supposed to have, like you would think our society is supposed to have a system in place where it, we're really being taken care of. And you bring up such a good point about traumatic births or births that didn't go your way. And we actually have Jamie from This Is What I Do Look coming on um, at some point today to, to talk about that. And I've even done a podcast episode with her on birth trauma because birth with my daughter was all like exactly what I wanted but my son's birth was a completely different experience and there was like one part in particular that was really traumatizing for me and it's even worse because I'm someone that uses humor as like a coping mechanism but there was no humor in that there was no through that and I remember talking to my husband about it so much because I just had to keep processing what had happened and especially when you're giving birth, you don't always remember it. And sometimes you need other people that were there to help you understand it too. And it's like getting all the little pieces of the puzzle, but then no matter how much you look at it, how much you try to rationalize it. And like people are doing that when they're dismissing you about how you're feeling, they're rationalizing it. Like your baby's healthy. What are you crying about? That that's not how emotions work. That's not how we work. We're not robots. You don't just go through something and move on to the next. There's some gray area in between that. And that can like, it doesn't mean that it's happened now when you deal with it now. Sometimes we don't even realize, or like you're saying, if you think 
oh, I'm just going to push through this. You're just delaying the inevitable and making it worse. And it's going to come up at some point. That's why we have people um, that are suffering with postpartum depression, even after two years, because well, they I... were never able to get help with it. I didn't seek help until I was pregnant with Laws. You know, I only gave birth to him in May this year. Mm. So I didn't seek help until my pregnancy with him, three pregnancies, his baby number three. So that's how long it took me to actually get the courage to ask for help. And the reason I did in the end was because I thought, I can't be a mum to three kids and keep holding on to this, all this anxiety and upset and mother three children I just can't do it I can't deal with them emotionally if I can't deal with myself emotionally exactly and I'm so glad that you found that turning point but I'm also so sad still for the Stacey that still was struggling through that for so long and and then we guilt ourselves about that then we then we're annoyed at ourselves for not getting help sooner and we just keep piling on the guilt and um one of my friends, Jackie from The Brave Space, if anyone's familiar with her, we're doing a parenting course at the moment. And this is one of the things we talk about, how it's really important to have those conversations with people around you. Because unfortunately, what we have in our society is not good enough. Like it's a, it's a harsh reality. We even had one of the dads ask about um, men being diagnosed with postpartum depression and if they had anything. And I sat there and I was like, I laughed out of realizing how ridiculous it is that even for dads they never get asked how they're feeling and I know at my appointments it was just that kind of like politeness of how are you feeling and you kind of just go automatically yeah I'm good yeah but you know you kind of want to go deeper with someone and it's like who do you do that with when those people in front of you like the GP where you go for the visits at four months six months whatever when that's not actually coming through Hmm. well I never really Hmm. connect with my first maternal child health nurse. They do that checklist at six weeks asking how your mental health is. I lied. I lied the whole thing. Everything was fine according to my sheet, so they let me go. If I had have had someone maybe I connected with more, maybe I would have been more honest, but I was very good at disguising what was going on and I disguised mm. it for years. Two babies and, that's and one... What, that's what happens. We just yeah. put on a mask. And we, we get on with it either because we think that's what we're supposed to do or, like you said, because we just d- don't know who the person is that's going to listen and we, we don't even know how to approach that situation. Yeah. And the way I approached it was I was pregnant. So I found out I was pregnant with Lawson and my grandmother passed away 24 hours later. So I was dealing with a lot and I actually used her death as my way to reach out. When I went to my appointment at the Royal Women's in Melbourne, I said, I need grief support. And actually, I was able to let a lot of stuff go and it wasn't about the grief, but it gave me a reason to ask for help with my mental health. And so is that how it started for you by being connected to a psychologist that way? Yes, yeah, so I did an appointment with the psychologist in the hospital and then they put you in touch with psychologists that are local to you and specialise in the area where they feel you need the most support. So I worked with a psychologist women who are pregnant or have just given birth there in that space and she also works through um, mother and child relationships too. So she was the right fit for what I needed. 
that a lot of people don't realize that psychologists um, or counselors can actually specialize in certain areas, um, mostly because that's what they want to do. So even the psychologist that I see, she specializes in mothers um, and she also does like attachment, which is my personal thing that I really like anyway. And so um, for anyone watching who's in Australia, when you go to your GP, you can ask for a mental health care plan and you can get up to 10 rebated Medicare sessions. And actually now there was something that came out the other day. Um, so sorry, I can't give the specifics, but they've actually upped it at the moment because of COVID. So if you're wanting to look into anything, now's a really good time to jump on that. So basically what happens at your appointment is they'll go through a questionnaire with you, which is really just like a depression and anxiety rating scale. Um, and you have to be honest. So it's either going to a GP that you are already familiar with and have a good relationship with that you can be honest with. Um, it could be taking in a friend or your partner with you who knows what's happening because they'll, they'll help, you know, give you the nudge to answer properly. Um, or if you don't have a GP, then ask people around you who they see or if you're calling up for an appointment, ask for a female GP if that's who you're going to be more comfortable with and then that's that's it um because the rebated sessions at least give you some of your money back if finances are a concern for you but like for me i only go once a month so when i split it out into my budget weekly it's like maybe 20 bucks a week that goes towards that monthly and then of course there's free um resources out there panda p-a-n-d-a dot org dot au i think is the address i'll make sure to link anything in the comments afterwards is a really good free resource and they have a helpline as well that you can call um their website has a bunch of materials and so that's the thing you need someone like us talking about it to tell you where to find all these things because otherwise you just don't know about it and it annoys me because on some level it's our responsibility to go and get these things done but it's we don't know if you don't know whose responsibility is it and it really is just like a huge flaw in the system around us. And I'd That's my also, rant for the day. <laughs> <laughs> I'd also worked up in my head that it was going to be far more uh, difficult, I'll say, than it really was. It really was just me saying to a midwife, I need help, and then everything was put into place. But in my head, I thought it was going to be more traumatic getting help than it was sitting in what I was feeling. And it wasn't at all. And it was about just I needed to take the leap. Mm. And it's about realising that there are people that actually want to help you. Like that's why they're in that job. And most of the time they have their own experience with it as well. So it's also really nice to have someone that relates to you because you're, you're not going to feel that um, judgment from them anyway. Not that someone in the profession should be making you feel that way. But, you know, they're there for a reason and, you're also allowed to give it a few goes. Like I took a few, uh, it took me seeing a few different sites till I found the one that I like now because you do have to click with them as well. Um, but at least, you know, there are some systems in place. You've just got to know where to look for it. And for most of us, going to a GP. And if you're not happy with their answer, go and see another one. You're allowed to go and see a different person as well and get a second opinion. Yeah, exactly right. And I think I was very worried about being judged as a mother. And that's maybe what held me back from asking for help because I didn't want anyone to think I couldn't do my job as a mum. But actually, I couldn't do my job as a mum until I spoke about all this stuff out loud. And then I was and able that's to get a point you bring up because if you're feeling horrible 
how are you supposed to open up and be honest about how bad like your intrusive thoughts are or whatever are without that fear that they might like um i know i know so they taken away from them for example um and so you've just got to navigate through that and talk to someone who you really trust and recognize that how our system works is we actually want to keep families together yeah. we actually want to help the parent figure it out we actually want to help them stay with their child it's not like the movies where we're tearing children away or at least not in australia um it's actually really hard and i'm someone that works in the field it's really hard to actually get a child removed um so when we're talking about things like postpartum depression or even psychosis um we there are things in process to help us give help i even saw someone sharing online the other day her journey through this and she's in the ward with her child so they haven't separated them because she's suffering with postpartum anxiety really bad but she's there getting support and getting the help she needs but they're still together and staying connected um because we know how important it is to keep that relationship going as well and then especially with things like breastfeeding um I know one of the biggest misconceptions that we get is that you can't take medication and that's not true either. There are safe medications that are suffering with depression or anxiety. Um, so please don't let anyone tell you. Otherwise the contact I like to use is Rodney White. Um, he's like the go-to person for um, medications and breastfeeding. Um, if you want some more detailed information on that as well, uh, I've got a blog post on my website on the gentle counselor if you want to read through that for anyone watching that wants the links um you can find it there um so with how you're doing your art stacy have you always found doing art therapeutic or do you feel like it's become more so therapeutic for you now as a parent especially with the breast milk art that you're doing um i suppose being creative my release and i've always needed it and i can feel when the creativity is building up and i need to release it into some project. Sometimes it is actually just sitting next to the kids and colouring in a picture with them. But just working through colour selection sometimes is enough just to take the pressure off a little bit. Um, so, yeah, it is very therapeutic from that point of view. And the other part of Sib starting the milk project is I shoot a lot of women's breast milk and I like to have a phone conversation with that mum and hear about her journey in her voice so I can connect with her. And that's actually been very therapeutic for me, talking to other breastfeeding mums about their journey and talking about mine and learning from each other. And that was a whole nother therapy I didn't even realised I needed. was just because there aren't many breastfeeding mums you can connect with. And all of a sudden they were coming to me. It was brilliant. And I've, you know. <laughs> you I'm didn't have to go looking for us. We found you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It was amazing. And, you know, I'm getting DMs now every day from other mums. And that's been part of the therapy as well. About It's a safe space for me to talk about breastfeeding because who loves it every minute? Not everyone. You don't have to love breastfeeding every minute. You can say sometimes I am done. Um Okay, I can do that. touched out and overwhelmed with it all. Um, so, yeah, it's been lovely to connect with other mums to find out they feel the same as me. And obviously creating my art is yeah, actually... and there's a beauty in sharing your story. And Absolutely. And relatable, right? Like even just yeah. simply knowing you're not alone makes the biggest difference. 
Yeah, and when I share my commission artworks through my social media, I, with the mum's permission, ask if I can share their story anonymously so everyone can link with that person's story because every artwork is to the person and I am trying to capture their story in that artwork. Yeah. That is so beautiful. I'm really looking forward to commissioning you for work. Um, celebrate the end of my journey next time uh, with my little one. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I was so excited to find your page because it's like nothing I'd ever seen before. And it really is beautiful. Um, and I don't think you fully get it unless you're a breastfeeding mom, how significant that is. Like it literally gives your child life. Like you've grown them simply from breastfeeding them. And I remember with my daughter looking at my husband and seeing how like chunky she was or, or growing. And I was like, that's me. Like I, I did that. This, this stuff is amazing. <laughs> Cause I had no idea really about breast milk or the benefits until I had my daughter. And it was about four months where I started having my own challenges and I saw it um, like a Facebook group online. And that's where I've met a lot of my, uh, friends who are breastfeeding moms online now and that's how we stay connected and like breastfeeding challenges are its own additional thing to parenting challenges or motherhood you know our journey anyway um, but I just love how you're able to commemorate it and I didn't realize that you went to such lengths to really get to know women before doing that art and I think that's really special and that really just is a testament to you and how much you care about it and that's really beautiful. Well, if someone is trusting me with their last moments of breastfeeding most of the time, most people come to me when they've finished their breastfeeding journey. So, like, what a privilege to be that trusted with it. And I want them to know how much I respect their journey and their milk that they're trusting me with and how much I want to honour it. I guess because I've been breastfeeding now for five years consecutively, I understand the hard yards. Um, so I really want to pay homage to that, to each person and for their child as well. Yeah, I, I like thinking about how my conversation with kids in the future, because even now I think my daughter came home the other day and she said learning about at school about babies and, and, and what they need to eat or drink. And I was like, you, you talked about mommy's milk, right? Like I'm like making sure that she knows to be like an advocate. <laughs> You know, my little four-year-old. <laughs> my kids, they always feed their baby bottles. And I'm like, that's EBM in there, isn't it? They, mom's milk yeah. first. I remember I have a photo of my daughter lifting up her shirt and breastfeeding one of her teddies. And it was like my favorite moment ever. <laughs> well, my daughter is, my eldest is now five. And I'm, she's rebelling already because she came up to me the other day, just randomly and said, mom, I'm going to give my baby's formula. I was like, I know you're doing that just to wind me up. <laughs> That's hilarious. So I told her I'd be lactating to feed her babies. <laughs> and yeah, um, obviously I talk about breastfeeding too much in our house. <laughs> <laughs> She's like using it against you now. That's so sneaky. I hadn't considered that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, That's I talk funny. about it so much. Like my husband, when he meets new mums, he's like, "On oh, how's breastfeeding going? And then he's like, I Got to remember to take a step back because mums probably don't want to hear from a breastfeeding advice. But now know so much information from breastfeeding studies in his house that he can actually help other mums. 
Yeah, it's so funny <laughs> that my husband's the same. And he's also like that with sleep. Like, um, I think he told me one day about how he overheard someone make a comment or he was just confidently talking about how our kids wake up and we bed share because he's like me. Like, we just want to do our part of normalizing it. We don't really care what people say. And he was like, and I saw this guy pipe up and go, oh, my gosh, the same. And they were able to connect with that. And this poor guy had actually And so my husband did his part in helping him through it. And um, I think he's also he just tends to have a, a lovely face. Like babies always smile at my husband. He's just got one of those kind faces. So when he is talking to women at work that he knows, they like open up to him. And it's really funny because there are obviously some men where my husband works and younger guys, they're like, what are you talking about? And I just am so proud of him. Cause I'm like, that's part of it though. That's part of like normalizing it and talking about it and letting people know it's okay to talk about it, it's so stupid that we're expected to be silent and you're just feeding your child. It is not that big a deal. Um, and I just wish more people were open. My husband's a plumber and he actually told me that he was talking to other plumbers on a big construction site about breastfeeding. I was like, I couldn't love you more right now. <laughs> yeah, like it's actually brownie point and we love them more for it. <laughs> yeah, like... What a brilliant advocate talking about breastfeeding and how brilliant it is and how children need it. And he was talking about how they need it beyond two years. Like that was the whole conversation. And I was like, you have absorbed so much information, my friend. This is so Oh, I love that. I feel like when you get our husbands together <laughs> to have a chat about it. <laughs> Maybe they can start their own breastfeeding groups for dads. Yeah, wouldn't that be fabulous? I don't think there's enough dads talking about it and how the dads can support the mums through it. Because I feel yes, sorry for yes. them because they don't know what to do. It is harder for them to navigate and mum and baby doing this bonding, but then how does dad bond without breastfeeding and all of that? Yeah, and yes. that's why we talk a lot about how you don't need a bottle to bond with your baby. There are other ways that you can be there to help and support them and um, I think there was even a time where I was sitting breastfeeding and my husband just simply came and sat down next to me, maybe put his arm around me. And I was like, that's it. Like, it's as simple as just being there um, or like constantly bringing me food. That was also another really good thing to do. <laughs> water, lots of water. And um, I'm just conscious of uh, people watching. If anyone has any questions, uh, whether you're watching it live or the replay, feel free to pop any questions or comments down below in the comments because we'll make sure to come back um, to revisit that. Otherwise, um, before you head off, what are some of your best tips for mothers that are feeling overwhelmed? I was thinking about this because you told me about it and I'm finding it hard to answer at the moment because I live in Melbourne. And for those who don't know, Melbourne has some of the harshest lockdowns in the world. So Lawson was born in the lockdown that was Australia-wide. We had four weeks where restrictions in Victoria eased and then we went back down into hard lockdown again and we've been in lockdown in Victoria for six months. I have had no support from family, healthcare workers or anything with a newborn. So I felt overwhelmed quite a lot um, as I'm sure most Victorian mums are right now. Um, when I can feel the pressure building between the kids and I, because so just add water is always my advice, whether everyone stops and has a drink of water, we all do some water play, 
or everyone gets in the bath. I find my girls calm down as soon as they're in the bath or the shower. And I find mm. the, the bath and the shower a calming space too. And I guess that kind of ties in with my art as well because my art is photographed in water. So I already feel a very deep connection with water. Um, and it's killing us at the moment that we don't have the beach in our 5K. So we've had these beautiful sunny days in Melbourne and we can't go to the beach. And my daughter keeps drawing pictures of the beach, asking when oh. we can go. I just, I don't know. I don't know the answer yeah. to that. I can't even imagine so, yeah. what it's like for you guys at the moment. And I have a few friends like you down in Melbourne as well. And I don't think people realise just how long you've been having to deal with this for. Um and like you said, like, imagine everything we're already dealing with and you were already dealing with and then a freaking pandemic hits and no, no books, no parenting books talk about what to do in the pandemic. So <laughs> it's also having that understanding that no one's been through this before and you're not actually supposed to know what you're doing. Like, no, that's <laughs> it's okay to not know what you're doing. Yeah friends struggled who had older children in school because they're like I'm not a teacher I don't know how to teach this stuff and a lot towards the end of last term just said you know what we're done this is too mm -hmm. stressful yeah. for all of us I'd rather you go outside and play yeah. than us yeah. be stressed in this situation mm. so yeah. I'm a well. teacher and I was telling all my friends I was like guys stop it <laughs> like yeah. I saw it right at the beginning I was like stop expecting a timetable to work if your school is expecting you to do all this that's absolutely ridiculous and if anything they're just doing it to prove their job right it doesn't mean you have to follow it like every single person in the world is going through this and they can catch up later like it's yeah. not that big a deal everyone knows what's happening right now and they know that that's going to have an impact but but i don't even mean an impact i mean it's impacting them now i don't mean that your kids gonna all of a sudden fail school that's ridiculous what they need is to be in a loving home that feels safe and so they need us to create that safe space for them and at the end of the day to know life skills they need to know how to read they need to know basic basic math like seriously that's it that's all you need to actually focus on yeah yeah and I think part of dealing with feeling overwhelmed is actually trying to break stuff down like you've just said it's not the end of the world if they don't know how to do some tasks at my school if they can read and at the moment if they actually just feel secure at the moment and that we're looking after their mental health because my daughter has really suffered through um COVID she has just turned five and she is very sensitive and she's very empathetic to other people's feelings so she had the weight of the world on her shoulders because she was so worried about what was happening and my job then became trying to talk through it she could understand because she needs hows and whys but also making her feel safe and secure that she was going to be okay and majority of the world was going to be okay and her family was going to be okay mm. Which is so important. it's like it's like we need to look at the bigger picture of what actually matters and it's yeah. not it's not getting through the lesson material. It's not just being with. And when, when I even say reading, I mean just read books with your kid. <laughs> like, that's it. Doesn't need to be a lesson. Just enjoy reading together. And math, baking. Go bake some cookies. You did math. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Um, also, sensory play is a big one in our house. 
Yes. Everyone's yes. feeling a bit overwhelmed. Bit of sense to play rainbow rice, kinetic sand, um, anything like paint. Paint rarely stays on the paper in my house. You can see some paintings behind me. Um, and I like what you said before, like sitting down and doing it with them. Um, like cook for cook us. For us. <laughs> these tips are for us as well. Like it's our children, but it's also good for us. You are allowed to paint and draw as well. And it can actually be really fun too. Yeah. Oh, give me a Elsa colouring in book and I'm right there with the girls. <laughs> for last Christmas, my husband bought me one of those adult colouring books, but it was like a swear word one. <laughs> my kids can't read. I'm there colouring in. <laughs> my daughter because um, we've been swearing at the TV every time we see a certain person jump on. Mm. So um, we need to put a stop to that. <laughs> but we've actually we've stopped watching TV. We've stopped putting on that 11 a.m. conference not watching the six o'clock news anymore because that was causing the whole family anxiety because we were just hearing another day we were going to be locked down and you know another handful of deaths and more people infected and it wasn't working yeah and it's okay to step back when you need to like you don't have to be informed about it all the time no no and that's where i was like no i need to get back into researching all my breastfeeding facts and presenting it to all my beautiful followers because that's what I enjoy doing. And I got so caught up in numbers of COVID. Hopefully um, we're not in this too much longer. Have they given you an idea yet of when the lockdown is ending? Is it a few more weeks? We have a roadmap um, that has dates, but numbers and dates need to kind of reflect each other and then we find out the next step. So... The next so we're kind of in the dark because they the government don't know what's going to happen yeah. so we don't know what's going to happen next and that's overwhelming in itself because as well because we're not used to having no control over our life yeah exactly right and I like control in general as a person and I've really had to deal with that through this because I have no control at the moment. Like I don't even have yeah. control over when I'm going to see my family next, which is really hard to deal with too. And like you said, you just gave birth. Like it's crazy how different that whole experience must have been for you. Yeah. It was actually um, quite nice in the hospital because there's no uh, visitors allowed. So... Everything was quite relaxed in the hospital. That part I actually really enjoyed. But it was coming home and then you have a midwife who calls you from her car at the front of your house and you do your appointment on the phone. Then they come in, so strip your baby. So I'd have Lawson stripped off nude. She'd come in, put the scales down on the floor. We'd put Lawson on, weigh him. I'd pick him up and she'd go back to her car again. So, like, I'm a third-time mum. So I have a better idea of what's going on. But for a first-time mum, that is not good enough care. Mm. And how can that midwife tell if that mum is struggling mentally when all she does is she comes in and she weighs a baby and she leaves? Like, who does she turn to? Yeah, I at the beginning of all of this is that we're going to have quite severe consequences when it comes to 
like there's surely going to be an increase in postpartum depression and anxiety simply because so many people are missing what we call protective factors. They're missing family support. They're missing human touch, human connection. They're missing some sense of normalcy and routine in their life. And unfortunately, there's nothing we can do about it. That's what's extra frustrating is we also have to understand why these rules are in place because of the pandemic reasons. But um, I just hope that they're plan for after. At least they've gone ahead and done this increase for um, the Medicare rebated sessions. But yeah, there's there's going to be a lot of us needing to check in with, and like if you know anyone, if you have friends um, or family that you know have had children during this or are pregnant during this, I think we really need to be extra mindful of of them right now too. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why it was really important to me through the Milk Project to share my pregnancy journey and then my birth journey. And I was doing stories nearly every day just to tell people how I was feeling because I knew I wasn't the only one who was anxious about giving birth in a pandemic because there was at one stage we didn't even know if my husband could come in and be with me when I gave birth because that's how other countries were evolving in that birth space was it was no one there except the birthing person. And no one should have to birth on their own without support. That is the most stupid rule as well. Like it actually doesn't make sense because then you go home where your husband is and you've been together anyway. Like, I uh, yeah, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> I know. And like- I, I've already done one rant. Okay. I can't do another one. <laughs> And like, it was hard for me to deal with not having my girls come in and meet Lawson in the hospital. I didn't get to see my girls for, I think it was five days because we were kept in hospital for longer because he lost more than 10% of his birth weight, which is another story as well. Just medical teams not trusting me and my body. But anyway, we got back up to birth weight and over it. Now I, he had a weigh-in yesterday and they've told me he's the size of an eight-month-old at four months. And I was like, well, you all kept me in the hospital telling me he wasn't big enough. And now look at him. He's enormous. <laughs> the beauty of breast milk. So funny. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. had the same thing with my son. We weren't kept in. Um, but, yeah, he also was right on it. But he was also a big baby. So it, yeah. like, made sense that he was going to lose weight. But luckily it was my second and I already knew everything anyway. And I was tandem feeding at the time too. And I was like, trust me. This- <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was tanning feeding too. And my whole plan had been to continue tandem feeding through pregnancy, knowing my milk comes in a bit later because of C-sections. And my plan was my daughter would come to the hospital and I'd get her to feed and feed and feed to bring in all that milk for my son. And then my plan was shot because all of a sudden I wasn't allowed to have any visitors in the hospital. So I was pumping like a maniac, knowing it was going to take a long time for my milk to come in and Despite all my hard work, he still lost a lot of weight. But, I mean, once my milk was in, he was, you know, gaining 180 grams a day. Like, mm, I yeah. thought it was going to be fine. And the weight med- is only one factor. Um, okay, it's fine. It's, it's only one factor. Like, there's so many other things we can look into, like nappy output, for example, yeah. to know how much milk they're getting. Um, but, yes, I'll, I'll leave that conversation for – we've got Susie Prout, who's a yeah. – uh, international board certified lactation consultant and we've also got debbie um from the mama circle she is going to be talking about tongue ties debbie is a wealth of knowledge i'm obsessed with her facebook page and her instagram 
the gentle breastfeeder group. They're brilliant. Yeah, I've been a member in that first group I had joined, um, especially because of like gentle parenting as well. And yeah. um, Debbie and I were talking about something else. And I had said to her, stop, you're wasting all your good chat. <laughs> so I'm really looking forward to our conversation today as well. She's fab, I love her. Mm. Well, is there anything else you would like to share with us or do you want to tell everyone where they can find more of you? Um, yeah, on Instagram, I'm the underscore milk underscore project. And on Facebook, I'm the milk project photography. Um, I need to say I'm not a board certified lactation consultant. I am just a mum completely obsessed with breast milk. Um, I'm obsessed with getting my babies. I'm obsessed with finding out facts about it. I'm obsessed with taking photographs of it. Um, and I'm the only breast milk photographer in the world. So there's a little fact for you. Amazing. <laughs> I'm, I don't know why you're not like a viral sensation yet because seriously, like the images are, are stunning and I can't wait to get like a big piece and then have people come over be like, oh, what's that? And be like, it's my breast milk. <laughs> And you know what, I've shot so much of my own breast milk and I haven't put it on the wall because each time I shoot another one, I'm like, oh, that's my favourite. And then I draw another one, I'm like, oh, no, that's my favourite. So now I can't decide. So I'm either just going to have a gallery of my breast milk all over the walls or probably nothing at all because I'll never be able to decide. Yes, do it. Just have, like, a little, like, palm size and, like, wall oh, I always look at yours and I'm like, oh, I like that colour scheme. Oh, no, I like that colour scheme. And I'm like, I just... I can't pick. <laughs> I know. I know. It's really hard. And that's why when I get commission clients, I'm like, you have to tell me the colours because otherwise I'll be shooting rainbows for days. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on and talking to us and, and being vulnerable and open to talking about your challenges and experiences with motherhood. My pleasure. I hope it helps somebody else. And that's what the Milk Project is all about too. Like I know it's a business for me, but... More importantly, it was for me to create a safe space for other mums just to talk to other mums about breastfeeding because I didn't have that with my first. So I wanted to create that for someone else. So come mm -hmm. have a chat. Thank you so much, Stacey. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, go on over and follow and let's talk all about milk. We've got it all day long. 